this morning, as, as Pete said, we're going to think about the fruit of the Spirit. And um, I apologize, you've got to listen to me twice in a row. Um, I did the preach last week on being a new creation, and I'm afraid you got me again this week. Just the way things have worked out, I'm sorry. Um, if you're fed up listening to me, then feel free to go and get a, a coffee or something. But um, last week, we talked about being a new creation and what it meant to be a new creation and the fact that at that point where our heart cried out to Jesus and said, Jesus, you are Lord. At that point, we are a new creation. God makes us a new creation. He puts his spirit inside of us. And he says, you are new. You now belong to me. And that's a, a once and only event in some respects. It's an ongoing event. He is creating us new all the time. And ultimately, that will be fulfilled when we become a complete new creation, when we're united with God, when his whole creation is made new again. But this week, we're going to think about the fruit of the Spirit. And I think these two follow on really nicely from each other because the fruit of the Spirit has to be one of the key manifestations of us being a new creation has to be. I'm not sure I really need to say very much more because Jenny probably <laughs> said it all really nicely. <laughs> what the fruit of the Spirit is all about. But I want to start by asking you a question. What's the best present you have ever received? Now, I'd like some feedback. So this isn't a rhetorical question, um, and I don't want any super spiritual answers. If you give me a super spiritual answer, I'm going to send you to the back of the room. So <laughs> what's the best present you ever had? Pete? Well, when I was, when I was young, I was mad into Lego. And, um, <laughs> I, I took my parents for a particular Lego set called the, uh, the, the Brightestron Prowler. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Really memorable present. Anybody else? Kids and grandkids. Nice. <laughs> no, there's no right, there's no wrong answers. Anybody else? Receiving your wedding ring. Nice present. Nice present. Um, okay. I'll tell you about my most memorable present. Um, I have to say, first of all, Debbie's in the room. Debbie has given me many, many wonderful, wonderful presents. <laughs> and this is not a reflection on the presents that Debbie has given me. But there is one present that absolutely stands out in my mind. I was probably seven or eight years old. And it was my birthday. So, you know, as most kids that age, you wake up really early, don't you? And you're lying there in bed and you're excited because you think, what... What have mum and dad got me for my birthday? And I, I can remember mum and dad, you know, eventually, I don't know how long I've been awake, but eventually they said, come on downstairs, it's your birthday, happy birthday. And I, I could, well, in, in my mind at least, I can still picture the look of excitement on their faces. And I said, come on downstairs, come on downstairs. And they opened the lounge door for me and they said, go on inside. And I went inside the lounge and there was this tent <laughs> inside our lounge. 
an old-fashioned canvas tent. And I was just absolutely amazed. Not just the fact that there was a tent inside the lounge, all made up, but this was my birthday present, a tent. Now, that might not sound necessarily fantastic, but for me at the time, I was just bowled over. We'd never been camping, and we never went camping, I should say. My parents were not into camping. <laughs> but they bought me this tent. And I can tell you, year after year after year, I couldn't wait for summer, and we could get this tent up and put it up in the garden. And year after year, this tent went up in the garden, and it would rain, and the rain came through, and I tried to waterproof it, and it never worked. It was just dripping through. Old wooden poles at each end pegged it out in the garden, but this was a fantastic present. And I, I've never, ever forgotten that. And the excitement when I received that present, there was just something magical about it. And I do believe that my memory isn't playing tricks on me, that my mum and dad were really excited to give me that present. Okay, so... What does Jesus say about receiving presents? What does Jesus say about receiving gifts? And I want to read just a, a little passage from Luke, Luke chapter 11. And this is the context of the disciples, Jesus' followers, um, asking him how they should pray. So I've got the, the words of the NIV translation up there, but I'm, I'm going to read to you uh, the translation in, in the Message Bible. Jesus says, here's what I'm saying. Ask and you'll get it. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This isn't a cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in. If your little boy asks for some fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? If your little girl asks for an egg, do you trick her with a spider? As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children. And don't you think the Father who conceived you in love will give you the Holy Spirit when you ask him? must be something important about that. A, that Luke recorded it, but B, you know, the, Jesus is talking to his disciples about praying, about asking God, and what's the thing that he focuses on? What's the thing that he says to them? Your Father who conceived you in love will give the Holy Spirit when you ask him. Do you ever stop and think what it would be like if we really, really lived in the presence and the power of God's Spirit? What it would look like for us as individuals to really live in the Spirit? What it would look like for us as a church to really live in God's spirit? 
I sometimes think about that. You know, you, you, you read about the church in the New Testament, the early church, and the power of God. And, you know, that, that's not to say that they didn't make a whole lot of mistakes as well. Not to say that there wasn't a lot of bad stuff going on. But, you know, the power of the Spirit moving. God wants us to experience the fullness of his power and his love. I'm absolutely sure of that. If we ask him, he's going to give us the spirit. We receive it in a special way when we become Christians, when we are a new creation. But that isn't the end of it. Jesus said, ask, ask for the Holy Spirit. Your Father will give you the Spirit. Ask, receive. Who amongst you are keen gardeners? Ah, oh, we've got a few. <laughs> So uh, I've got five um, fruit-bearing plants up there. Does anybody know what all five of those are? Somebody says strawberry, yeah. Which one's the strawberry? Top middle? Gooseberry? Somebody said gooseberry? E for gooseberry, yeah. Raspberry, which one's the raspberry? C or D? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hard, isn't it? It's kind of hard when you look at that. Those are the answers. <laughs> so we got some right, some we got right, some not. Blackberry, strawberry, sorry, blackcurrant, strawberry, blackberry, raspberry, gooseberry. It's not always easy when you don't see the fruit, is it? If all you see is the leaves, if all you see is the plant without the fruit, it can be hard sometimes. So, something else that Jesus said, again, recorded in Luke. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. Each tree is recognized by its fruit. People do not pick figs from a thorn bush or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Each tree is recognized by its fruit. That's a bit of a challenge as well, isn't it? Because in the context of what we're thinking about this morning, in the context of the fruit of the Spirit, in the context of us being godlike, as Jenny was talking about earlier on, 
What if nobody knew you were a Christian? What if nobody knew you came to church on a Sunday morning? Would they be able to tell simply by your conduct, by the way you live your life, by what comes out of your mouth? Would they be able to tell? Would we be recognized by our fruit? For me, for sure, I find that a real challenge. A real challenge. We should be known by the fruit that we bear. And so, what does that fruit look like? Well, this is where we get to the well-known passage in, in Galatians, where Paul is talking about the fruit of the Spirit. So we're going to look at these verses in Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 26. And Paul says, You, my brothers and sisters, you, the church in Galatia, you were called to be free. Jesus has called you to be free. But don't use that freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Um, Paul is obviously echoing the words of Jesus there. You know, what, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. So I think Paul's taking for granted, if you like, the fact that they love God, that they have a real love for God. And then he says the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit... You're not under the law. And Paul talks about this elsewhere, doesn't he? The, the battle that we're in. You know, and this is part of the fact that we are a new creation, but we still look forward to the time when we will be with Jesus, when we will be with God, when we will be fully recreated. Until then, we're still in the world. We still have this battle. And we're called to live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. And Paul goes on, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. It's an amazing passage. And we don't have time this morning to, to look at the details of all of this. But, I mean, if you just look at those verses at the top of the screen there, where Paul's talking about the acts of the flesh, it, they're an interesting list in themselves, aren't they? You know, he's, he's talking about sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, witchcraft. Yeah, some really pretty serious stuff. But alongside that, he's got things like discord, jealousy, selfish ambition. All examples of living in the flesh. And these are just examples. It's not an exhaustive list of <laughs> living in the flesh. Just as perhaps that list of the fruits of the Spirit isn't an exhaustive list of what it means to live in the Spirit. What it means in our lives to reflect Jesus living in us. But it's an amazing list, isn't it? So Paul's encouraging them to live in that freedom of the Spirit. To let the Spirit of the living God have reign in our hearts and our lives. And he says, if we do that, if we live in God's strength and not our strength, then this will be the fruit. This will be the outcome. This will be the outworking of God in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The thing about fruit is that they take time to grow, right? It doesn't happen overnight. And I think there's a real truth in that for us. That what Paul's saying is that this is the fruit. This is going to be the outworking of God's spirit in your life. It's not going to be overnight. You're not going to wake up one morning and all of these things will be there. But if you walk with God, if you allow God's spirit to rule in your heart, in your life, then this will be the manifestation. And if it's not, there's something seriously wrong. We could spend ages looking at each one of these fruit. And, you know, there's, there's huge value in doing that. As I was preparing for this, I spent a little bit of time trying to research and look at the, the Greek words that were behind each of these nine fruits and understanding a little bit more about it. We haven't got time really to, to look at all of that. Love, of course, everything has to be underpinned by love, right? But in the Greek, when it talks about fruit of the Spirit, it is singular. These are nine fruits, nine aspects 
of the single outworking of God in our lives. If we allow the Spirit to fill our lives, if we allow God's grace and God's love to flow through us, all of these things will be there. God gives gifts of the Spirit as He chooses to different people to build up His church. Different people have different gifts of the Spirit. The fruit is for every single one of us. God working in our lives, working to produce the fruit of His Spirit. I don't know about you, but when I look at that list, there are things that bother me because I'm painfully aware of areas in my life where I am not as fruitful as I should be. See, instead of just looking at that list, if I substitute my name in there, and I say, don't laugh, Debbie. <laughs> and I say, Andy is loving. Andy is joyful. Andy is peaceful. I'm patient. I'm kind. I'm good. I'm faithful. I'm gentle. I'm self-controlled. Oh, well, if those are marks of maturity, I've got a long way to go yet. I've got a long way to go. I'm definitely not there. And I think it's important because we need to measure how we stack up. You know, I, I look around, <laughs> I look around at the faces of people that are here, and absolutely, I can see Jesus in your lives. I think this is a wonderful church. You know, we talk about this being a safe place. We talk about this being a family church, and there are so many good things here. But we should never, ever become complacent. You know, am I more fruitful than I was 20 years ago? Am I a little bit more mature as a Christian? Do I display some of these fruits a little bit better than I did 20 years ago? I hope I do. I think I do. But we shouldn't get comfortable Because I know how far short I fall at times. Progress sometimes seems so slow. Some days are harder than others. But God calls us to allow his spirit to flood our lives, to fill us 
so that we can be fruitful. And God can use situations, right? God can use situations to kind of point out to us where we need to grow a little bit more. God doesn't tempt us. God never, never tries to trip us up. That is not what God does. God loves us. But in his love, he wants us to fulfill our potential. And so he will test us. He will use situations to point things out to us. Here's a really simple thing, okay? I am not the most patient person in the world. They'll be smiling. <laughs> I'm not. One of the things that I struggle with is being stuck in traffic. When I'm stuck in the car and there's a queue of traffic and I'm going nowhere, I find it so frustrating. But what if instead of getting frustrated, instead of saying, well, that's who I am, you know, this is one of the things that makes me who I am. What if, what if we turn that around and say, well, actually, God's just showing me. If I can't be patient in a traffic jam, <laughs> what about some other really important things? Maybe God's just giving me a little bit of a nudge and saying, you know, this is an area that you need to work on. You need my help. We need to be a little bit more fruitful here. And why do we struggle with these things? Um, <laughs> fleas. You're thinking, I know Andy's a vet, but why does he have to talk about fleas? Um, I want to tell you about um, fleas. <laughs> and there, there is a connection here, I promise you. I can see one or two puzzled looks on your faces. Um, it, you, you, can, you can look up a video on YouTube about this. I, I was going to play the video this morning, but then I thought that might be a little bit too gross, showing a video of fleas jumping. Some of you might not be too pleased. So I'm just going to tell you about this, this uh, experiment that was done with fleas. So... You get a bunch of fleas, fleas jump, okay? They jump really high. Um, I mean, you know, it, enormous. Like, if, if I was the equivalent of a flea, I'd be able to jump way higher than this building. I mean, they, they, they are seriously impressive when it comes to jumping, seriously impressive. So you get a bunch of fleas, you put them in a glass jar, what happens? They jump out. Yeah, simple. If you put a lid on the glass jar, they start banging their head against the lid. And um, <laughs> after a while, they learn that that's not a particularly good thing to be doing. So they learn not to jump so high. They don't jump so high anymore. And if you keep that lid on for about three days, when you take the lid off afterwards, they don't jump out of the jar anymore. They just stay in the jar. 
<laughs> Can't jump anymore. And I think that's a little bit like us with the Spirit in our lives. God gives us the Spirit. God's Holy Spirit is in each one of us. I struggle with patience. I struggle. Some days I find it easier than others to express in my life the goodness of God, to let His Spirit flow through me. Because I'm still confined by the flesh. I'm still confined by my old ways. I'm still not living fully in the Spirit, not living the life that God has called me to. And I'm never going to be able to do that completely in this life, but we should never, ever stop striving. We should never, ever say, well, this is just the way I am. It's not the way you are. Because God says, I've given you my spirit, my spirit working in you. So what did Jesus say about all of this? John 15. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We're all works in progress. But we need to be connected to Jesus. We need to abide in him. And that surely is the key for us being able to express the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, being connected with Him. In my pocket, I've got my mobile phone. I don't know about you, but I get a little bit nervous when I lose signal. You know, before the service this morning, I was checking Formula One result. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we like to be connected. Uh, I, I travel a lot. One of the first things that I do when I book a hotel, I'm going to look to see if they've got Wi-Fi. Because I need to be connected. I need to check on my emails. I need to find out what's going on. And I'm sure not all of you, but many of you are the same. 
you know, you, you want to be connected. You want to be able to pick up the phone, to call your kids, to call your parents, to call your friends, check on the Formula One results, whatever it is. What if we were as bothered about being connected to Jesus as we are about being connected with our mobile phones or our internet? What if we took really seriously Jesus' words about abiding in him, about being connected in him, about being rooted in him? See, for a tree to bear fruit, some things have to be there, don't they? You have to be in fertile soil. You have to have warmth. You have to have sunshine. You have to have rain. Fruit will only grow if those things are present. And the same is true for the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We have to be connected. We have to be rooted in the love of Jesus. We have to abide in Him. We have to have His love flowing through us. We have to have the full measure of His Spirit in us. Abide in me. How do we do that? By spending time with God. By allowing him to speak to us. To fill us with his spirit. To change us. See, you can't lose your patience and praise God at the same time. Try it. Try being impatient and praising God at the same time. You can't do it. Try being unkind and worshipping God at the same time. <laughs> you can't do it. If we abide in Jesus, if we focus on God, then his spirit begins to work. And flow through us. Studying his word. Worshipping. Praying. Praising. Listening to God. Meeting together. Sharing with each other. These are all ways that we stay connected. These are all ways that we abide with God. And if we start to neglect it. If we start to become disconnected, we are not going to be fruitful. We have to work on this every day, every hour, every minute, remaining in Jesus, allowing his love to change us, allowing his spirit to flow through us. We're all different things to different people. Husbands, wives, sons, daughters, fathers, mothers, colleagues, co-workers, boss, 
employees, so many things to so many different people. But one thing more important than anything else, we are God's new creation. We are God's new creation loved by him. And he wants that relationship with us. He wants that closeness with us. He wants us to be trusting in him, to be abiding in him, to be opening ourselves up day after day, hour by hour, minute to minute, to say, God, I need you. I need your strength. I need your spirit. I need your power in me. I want to be that new creation that you have created me for. I want to be fruitful for you. I want to show the fruit of your spirit in my life. I want your spirit to move in power in my life. The only way I can do that is to stay connected to you, connected to you, to express your love. And if we abide in him, that's when we're going to be fruitful. That's when we're going to be fruitful. And as I've been thinking about this talk today, that's been the thing that has really been on my heart, that God has laid on my heart, that to be fruitful, to express the fruits of his spirit, which all of us do, but I hope all of us want to do more. We need to abide in him. We need to rest on his strength and keep connected to him. Shall we pray? Father, we've been worshipping this morning and, and thinking about your glory and your love for each one of us. Father, thinking about that gift of new life through Jesus, that you love us so much that you sent Jesus to die for us. And Father, we thank you for that love. Father, we thank you that you have given each one of us your spirit as a mark that we are now owned by you, that we are now connected to you. And Father, I'm sorry for the times when, when I've put a lid on that, when I've put barriers in the way of being truly connected to you, of being truly a branch of the vine of Jesus. Father, we just want to say right here, right now, we want to know your presence. We want to feel the power of your spirit and feel that changing us into the likeness of Jesus. Father, would you flow through us now? Would you melt our hearts? Would you create in us a heart that just yearns to be connected to you, to be fully connected with you? that we can truly show the fruit of your spirit in our lives, that other people would look to us and be drawn to us because they see Jesus in our lives.
Father, may that be true of each one of us. Thank you, Father, that your spirit brings us life. And that your spirit cries out with our spirit to say thank you and to worship you. King of kings, Lord of lords. Amen.